Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Press Play and Run Podcast, a Loch Ness 24 special, and an episode that I never actually expected to be recording. As you're going to hear in this episode, my expectations for the event were absolutely minimal, didn't think that I would be doing anything to sort of mark the occasion. What transpired was actually an event that's left quite a lasting mark on me. I got the chance to spend time with an amazing group of people, and I had the pleasure of watching one in particular have that penny drop moment that running can be as she pushed herself beyond what she thought possible. The opportunity to try and sort of catch that lightning in a bottle and speak to somebody so raw after achieving something they thought they were not capable of was just too much to resist. So this week there's going to be no preamble about my own running. I will actually, through the conversation that I'm just about to take you to, cover my own experience of Loch Ness 24. But as usual, our mission is to elevate the story of our fantastic guest and everyday runner. The opportunity to try and catch that sort of lightning in a bottle moment, surpassing anything they thought they were capable of, was just too much to resist. So I was delighted when Rachel McPherson said that she would join me to recount her experience and give me the opportunity to talk about my experience of the Loch Ness 24 hour race which I was running as a relay and Rachel was running as a solo. So without further ado, I'm going to take you straight into my conversation with Rachel McPherson. Welcome to the Press Plane Run podcast, Rachel. I'm delighted to have Rachel with me today to help me unpack Loch Ness 24, which was, for me, probably a much more positive running experience than I expected. Probably one of the most significant things that happened over the weekend was a chance to run with Rachel. You said something, Rachel, over the weekend that actually planted the seed about getting you on here. So first of all, <laughs> welcome to Press Plane Run. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm delighted that you're now on your second favourite podcast. <laughs> I know. I do feel a bit loyalty to Young Hearts Run Free, but I know. I'll test what are here and then go and play with the big boys when I've done more significant things. I thought we'd just best get that out there right away that we will <laughs> yeah, be forever. We will be forever setting place to, to Young Hearts Run Free and Rachel's head. So <laughs> So Loch Ness 24, we are going to come to that, but I also want to stick to the rough format of what I normally do and find out a bit more about your running. We were running at, I don't, I don't even know, was that about one in the morning? Yeah, one, two in the morning, I think. So 24-hour race, I was part of a relay team, it's a 7k loop, so I was running like double loops, doing 14k back in, I was getting rest periods. Rachel was originally going to run as part of a team, changed her mind and ended up going solo and pushing yourself probably beyond... Would it be fair to say anything you thought you are capable of? Yeah, definitely. By the time I got you, you were borderline high on drugs, delirious, <laughs> tired. Rattling. Rattling, <laughs> feet were in bits. You were at a walk by that point, but you were still continuing forward. But you said something that just stopped me in my tracks instantly. You said, I feel like I was born to do this. And you've only been funny for a change because Rachel is one of the funniest idiots that you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> And I've only met her a couple of times, I feel comfortable enough saying that, but that was a moment of seriousness where I think I probably caught you in a vulnerable enough moment because you were absolutely shattered to dented your bowels 14 times. No, exactly. <laughs> I don't even remember saying no, that. No, <laughs> I, I know you don't, it was, but, but you meant it. And that's, I think, what I want to try and capture. That's the lightning in a bottle. I think that loads of folk that listen to this podcast have never been at, hope to get to, or had it once and hope to recapture it. You're right in the throes of, of what I think is the most exciting bit of running of, I wonder what I can do. I had a quick Insta stock. We've known we were doing this episode for an hour and a half. So I've been through <laughs> Rachel's Insta life. She's deleted most of it. That tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> Tell me when the running started. I saw one picture for 2015 and you had a Dunlop headband on. 
you look like an extra for train spotting. <laughs> when did the running actually start? Oh, well, I'd completely forgot about that. I maybe did dabble, you know, maybe went out for a 5k or... Your hair looked like Wurzel Gummidge, you'd have done lot headband. Yeah, I probably, I probably went out and ran for like 10 minutes on and off. I, I don't even remember that, that period of time, but like I said, it was probably, I did the odd run, like a handful of runs a year maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't have even been a run, it would have been a jog for two minutes, stop, start, give up, that kind yeah. of thing. But where I'd say it properly started, I had to actually look at my Strava tonight to see what, what I'd done. And I think 2019 is when I first started trying to get into running more seriously. And I think the start of that was Des Tinney. I don't know if you know him, but he's a runner. And, and he started a, a Jog Scotland like running group at lunchtimes. Okay. I went along to that. Um, he did so, a beginner's uh, class. So pre-COVID then? So you're now like, this is pre-COVID, everybody in the yeah. office type stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was in the office at lunchtimes. And he did a beginner's class and it was like a more intermediate one for people who could actually run the length of themselves. So I joined the beginner's class and that, that session involved jogging around a tennis court. So it was like you literally jogged up one side, walked the short side, jogged back down. That was the level I was at. Like, that was explains so the Dunlop headband. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't made for this, but it's, it's uh, escalated over the years. I was super unfit. I actually didn't enjoy running. And I think looking back, it was because I was so unfit. So I would run for two minutes and I would just be blown out my... I'm going to try not to swear too much. Bum. <laughs> you were blown out your arse. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the one. So no running in the background in school? Oh, God, no. Yeah, I was never passionate about anything. Like, even academically, school-wise, I, I could have went to uni, but never, ever... There was nothing I was passionate about at all. Um, And I would jump from things. Like, I was... I kind of had sportiness in my genes, so I did, like, the odd thing, but dipping in and out, like, never, ever stuck to... Almost like somebody with ADHD bouncing off the walls. Yeah, that sums me up perfectly, actually. <laughs> did that... Again, looking at that, though, that was, like, a couple of months I maybe stuck, stuck at that kind of thing and it was like between one and three miles I was going out and and jog walking and the goal at that point was just like I would love to be able to jog a 5k without stopping but at that point I was living shall we say an unhealthy borderline illegal lifestyle we'll leave it at that it's rude to ask blah blah what age are you 28 right you're 28 you're young you're still you're young for the people I've spoken to but why did you go that first run? I honestly can't remember because my because of the unhealthy lifestyle I was living. That bit of my life's a, a, a bit of a blur. I probably just wanted to get fit. I did like the idea of being fit. We don't need to go too far into the weeds with what <laughs> a borderline illegal unhealthy lifestyle means as far as you're comfortable. But Name a drug. Is it? Aye. <laughs> aye. So you're, you're dabbling, you're experimenting, you're doing that kind of thing. But there must be a point, there must be something in you saying, I either don't want that to keep being the case or I'm ready for something different. And that's oh, yeah, just definitely. offered you. But there was no big eureka moment, light bulb, I'm a born runner off the back of that. Oh no, definitely not. Like right. I say, I, don't, I didn't really enjoy it and I didn't feel good at it. And again, even then I wasn't sticking to it. I looked and it was like two months on and off, I went out and did occasional jogs. And I did find, it was May 2019, I found a Strava post titled, in capital letters, jogged the full way without stopping and that was my first 5k 34 yeah. minutes and I do remember feeling like invincible like oh my god I just ran a 5k like this is insane yeah and then there's not much for like a year after that <laughs> and even that it. that took me a while to build up to like a, a, something sticks in my head or something because I did just again dipped in and out of the gym wasted so much money on gym memberships over the years and I remember jogging on a treadmill for eight minutes straight and again feeling like wow eight yeah. whole minutes I didn't stop there that felt amazing so I really was, like, I was so unfit and, and yeah, 
to do that to to keep moving for 34 minutes felt like the best thing in the world from there before we get on to the, the roll call of races you've done since because you have been on like your running career has practically been on fast forward yeah i'm an all or nothing kind of person i have no, I've noticed <laughs> but <laughs> did they did covid stop the jog scotland group or had you already sort of started doing your own thing by the time lockdown and all that comes i can't honestly remember why i didn't go back to that again probably just i think i just stopped i never stuck to anything so it looks like looking from a strava it's maybe like in the may june 2019 there's nothing again until 2020 so i've probably just the lifestyle i was living i wasn't sticking to anything consistently I was just and yeah then I counted up in 2020 there was a total of 10 runs over the whole year and then I did I did a wee bit of online coaching with a strength coach I actually stuck to that I did about eight months of that and that was just solely weight training four times a week at the gym and I actually did stick to that and enjoyed it but I was doing like no cardio and so I was feeling quite sluggish and and I did remember the feeling that running gave me and I was like I want to give running a bash again so did you ever get the endorphins and the same feeling from weight training and the progress i, I know you no, got no. physical progress but did you ever get mental like satisfaction the same no nothing, nothing like, the like same. it i preferred to like i felt stronger and fitter and probably that was like that i liked the way i looked better but mentally like no way nothing beats running endorphins for me and so 2021 i did try running again and i did that maybe the first three months of the year and i actually signed up for edinburgh virtual half marathon because I think that, yeah, that would have been COVID. And it looks like that teetered off as well. So I managed a few months of running and didn't stick to that. But because it was virtual, you were allowed to complete it up to a year afterwards. So again, it looks like the latter half of 2021, I did no running. And then in 2022, this is where I count as when I really started running. That was when I started running consistently. Um, and because I knew I had till the end of May to complete that virtual half marathon, I thought, right, let's try, and, let's not waste this entry and let's try and train for that. And so I think it was February last year, I did start running consistently, I don't know, three, four times a week and tra- trained for that half marathon. Right, but I, but I want to stop you because no way does a half marathon entry make you do that because you've just already told me that you've wasted countless money on gyms. You've wasted, so the thought of wasting whatever, 23 quid on a half marathon entry or whatever it cost you, I don't know, it's not going to be the thing. So something else is happening. Can you take yourself there? Can you think about it? Because I must have got, I honestly can't remember, but I must have got good feelings out of it. That 5k, I remember feeling that was amazing. And the endorphins. Um, so yeah, there must have been a bit of that, but I, I actually can't say for sure. It's it's hard when you've probably not taken the time. Why would you think about a run you did all the but but something's obviously changed and that's the point. People will listen to this and recognise what you just said there. I ran for a bit, I stopped. I liked it, but I didn't keep it up. It was mm-hmm. it was not even good. It was just not terrible. After you do a bit, it, it gets less terrible. Yeah, it took a while for it not to be terrible. Of course it does. <laughs> I, and it and it takes even longer for it to go from being not terrible to good. Yeah. Um, and you're probably still finding some runs. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if that bit ever really goes away. It's your beginning. It was relatively recent. You've been through the same struggles that nearly every runner I've spoken to. But your journey's just started the same and you've just done something at the weekend there that is that person that was dropping out of the runs could never have imagined you doing that. Eight weeks ago, I would have said there's no way. Yeah, it's escalated big time. Yeah. In fact, so then when I went and did that, if it's okay to carry on that, that wee story there about the... When I did the virtual... I wasn't ready for the the half marathon when the the deadline for doing it was I did it about a month later and I think from then is when I really remember feeling like wow 
I love this. That's when I felt like this is this is what it's mm-hmm. about. Probably just because it's like a half marathon. Like all uh, I wanted to do was a five k. Like yeah. this is mega. But at that point, I remember saying, like to a few people, I would never ever do a marathon. That's that's a different ballgame. That's too far. And then a couple months later, so I'd signed up for the Scottish half marathon, which would have been like my first actual event. And I think it was the the night before that, and I'm glad I did that. Long story short, ended up chatting to this girl and I ended up booking Paris Marathon the night before my first kind of real half marathon. And I'm glad I did because that half marathon went so bad. Like I walked from mile four, hated it. In hindsight, it's because I, I think I'd had COVID two weeks before it. Um, and looking back, it definitely was obviously the, the tail end of that. But at the time, it was my first race and I just thought, I'm shit. I'm just, like, not, de- so I'm just not ready yeah. for this. I'm not a runner. This is, I'm Aye. really bad. Been um, kidding myself on. Yeah, <laughs> that was a fluke, the one in June. So I, I, I'm glad I'd signed up for the marathon before that because I'm not sure I would have been so quick to do it after that. Aye, well, you would never have based the marathon off that run and say, well, I'm ready for that. Oh, yeah, I would have thought, no, yeah. no, you've got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, You're almost never yeah. ready for any distance at the first time, though. I know, well, I thought, sign up for it and you have to train for it and do it. <laughs> and and the worst it will be is terrible, but you'll still probably get through it. Like Yeah in pain but you're never actually ready i mean i trained my socks off for that edinburgh marathon and absolutely learning curve still the last thing i remember is you mm. holding a sign up with a job in a stick um uh, which we'll get to uh some people over that but some no some people will be listening let's go oh that was her I don't want, don't want to put a face to the name. Uh, <laughs> I so, bought the job here. I could go and get it. <laughs> uh, no, we'll get that for that. That's the clip. We'll get that for the clip. <laughs> and then, so you've signed up for Paris, but I watched your half marathon on the highlights on your Insta and it looked grim. Yeah, it was. But it obviously wasn't enough to put you off running and to say, well, I can't. Well, it made me determined. I thought, well, obviously your training's been shit. You need to get your finger out and you need to do something. You need to get better. So it made me more determined. And so I signed up for... Falkirk half which was like two months later that was in November um, and loved it that was the that was the race I was looking for and I was like I knew it was COVID <laughs> uh, and yeah but where does that person come from Rachel how do you go from the person who's no really motivated to do very much or to stick it in and to to having a really bad experience and then going it made me more determined because you've for what you've told me that's the polar opposite of the person that you'd probably been I have no idea that's where this whole thing about where I keep saying I think this is what I'm meant to do I've mm-hmm. never had this feeling in my whole life about anything never passion like I've enjoyed things I've liked things but I've never had that, a, a real passion or just thought this is it I'm like this is me maybe it's yeah. not well it's a chat to me in a couple of years I'll just be a fat slob not running anymore. but at the moment maybe, but maybe in two years it won't be you've got no clue like that's come and gone yeah. from my life as well at different times different pressures but the fact that you've got that feeling is just I wish you could bottle it. I wish you could bottle it and give it to everybody because the world would be a healthier, happy place. And I find it fascinating that you go from somebody who can flit in and out, drop this, pick that up, to that was crap, I'm going to get much better. Like something needs to have changed and you don't even know still. You're probably I that. I don't even know, yeah. No, you're probably still that early in your journey that you, you don't know what it is yet, but it'll come. You are young and you're immature as well. You're about 12, mental age. <laughs> Oh, that's, so, that's a compliment. I, I normally go about five. Right, let's get back on track. So, so we go from these events. Then, what was next? What kind of races? It's not Paris right away, is it? You still get a couple of things in between. Uh, training for Paris started right away, so that was the start of December. But race wise, I had Nigel Barge ten k. I think I only had oh, what was it? Aloha. 
They were the only two I did before um, Paris, I think. Talk to me about your circle of people that you knew at these events, because the same faces are cropping up. When did Run and Stop being something you did yourself? And was that Probably just and was it just because of Insta? Sorry. Yeah, it was Insta. I think so. Sarah Homer. I don't know if you know her name. Mm-hmm. I remember just being a wee, just obsessed with running, just being a wee creep and just typing in like, hashtag Edinburgh running, hashtag runners <laughs> on Instagram and came across searching for these hashtags and I found the video of Sarah Homer's Edinburgh Marathon finish line and she's just absolutely like, yeah, it's like it's amazing yeah. and I think it's because she qualified for Boston Yeah. and I saw that and I was just like, wow, like that's amazing. That was maybe when I first thought maybe I would do a marathon. I don't actually know, but that definitely did something for me. Um. So followed her and then I don't know how it all happened, but then she's friends with Lee Campbell and I followed him. He, he yeah. was probably one of the first runners. And then just through him, it was through all the other running accounts I started following. And and they're out your way, Edinburgh. Yeah, if they can't tell yeah. for that stupid accent, Edinburgh. Out that <laughs> Edinburgh. Accent, man. <laughs> when did you start meeting up with them in person? Because that, that takes a wee while before you don't want to seem like a lunatic, do you? <laughs> Yeah, I don't accept strangers on Instagram, but as soon as they've got like running in their name or their bio, I'm like, in you come, like trust instantly, which is probably a bit dangerous on my my part. Lee, I don't know, I got chatting with Lee and we agreed to meet up for a run and he suggested a park run. And we've since discussed, he said, like, he's aware of how that looks, you know, you're not going to suggest to meet one-on-one, like a dodgy back alley. So he he suggested park run, which was very appreciated. Um, And yeah, it turns out he's not a murderer. He's so far so good. Um, We've just not caught him yet, but strong, <laughs> creepy vibes. I'm only kidding. Lee. I'm only kidding. Lee. I know you don't listen either, but I'm only kidding if anybody tells you. Um, and I honestly can't remember who who then I met next, but there was some park runs and just some meetups, and I think it was in the January that Lee posted something about the Loch Ness thing, and they made out like seen it was really good the previous year, and I thought I'll sign up to that. And at that point, you couldn't see who'd signed up. So I signed up, paid the fee, joined the team. And I was like, oh, my God, it's just me and two guys. One I've met once. Yeah. And I was reading the terms and conditions thinking, I can, is there like a cooling off period? Can I pull uh, out? Because I'm like, I'm not going up there and, with two and it's, it's not a cheap event either. It's not the kind of yeah. thing. You just got, it was like, it's over 100 quid, isn't it, to enter that? <laughs> yeah. At that point, it was like 80. So I was Aye. genuinely sitting it. I thought, yeah. I'm, I'm out. I'm not doing it. I remember messaging Giz, I think, at that point. And some other random girl just like, hi, do you, are you fancying Loch Ness next yeah. year? <laughs> like uh, this year. And then look what it ended up. There was like 25. Ended up 20 odd of us. And you're signed up in the group. And then before you know it, you're solo. But you had the Paris Marathon. You had the Manchester Marathon in between. Now, outside looking in, you weren't treating all of these like, you know, trying to PB, trying to do better. Because they were close together. And I know you ran one with Emily. And it looked like you just had a jolly. Was that always a plan or was that a wee bit of self-preservation? Uh, no. Last, so when I started doing these half marathons, I was extremely PB focused, competitive, going all the way, like really in that zone. And so when I signed up to do Paris, I was like sub four, baby, it's happening. That was my goal. <laughs> uh, and that was what I, I was training for. And then, yeah, reality hit a wee bit. <laughs> and about six, I just, my legs, even still now, actually, when I kind of try and do speed stuff as well as the long runs, I start feeling niggles and things and they're maybe okay to run through. I'm still really inexperienced and this is all new to me. So I'm, I'm still learning. But when I did start feeling that, like what felt like the start of like shin splints, I would pull back and I'd start skipping the speed stuff and stick to the long runs. Yeah. So for me, I felt like six weeks before the Paris marathon, for me, it felt like the wheels came off a bit. In my head, I chucked it. I actually didn't care anymore. 
wasn't even excited for it, wasn't looking forward to it, wasn't nervous, just was kind of like, whatever, just... I was in a and funny that, place that six weeks before it, to be honest. Because of almost preempting the disappointment of not getting your time, or like in another part of your life, what do you mean you were in a funny place? I think the time, the time thing, but maybe yeah, then it, it fed into life as well. Things just felt a bit, I don't know, I just felt a bit off before that. You're driven by PBs so mad, but has running always since you started, which is not that long ago, had that place in your life of coping mechanism, or or is it completely separate? For you, is it just a thing you do? Not really. I've found it's just I absolutely love it. Like I've definitely noticed times where I've not ran, like I miss it, and then you start feeling that I'm like, oh, I need, I want to go run, but I've never really and used feel it specifically. Is that yeah? But I've never that that wasn't kind of my reason, or it wasn't like an escape, or you don't trying. process, you don't use runs to process like whatever's going on. Oh, my brain goes like the clappers on runs, but that's pretty standard <laughs> at any point in life. I, yeah, don't, I, I don't think it is, Rachel. My brain is 100 miles an hour all the time. <laughs> it's easy to assume that because it's like that, it's like that for everybody. There's some people there that run for the freedom and empty their brain, I think, like pat the yeah. music in and go. I'm like you, my head is, my my head's done two marathons by the time I've done a 5K. <laughs> and it does, it definitely helps. Think like I think on runs, there's certainly things that yeah you can work out on runs and think about in your head tell me about paris the day of like the the event tell me about the the run-up the experience worth it oh yeah we definitely recommend it it was it was amazing so well organized beautiful route elodie who's from france says it's not actually a beautiful route but for me <laughs> me rachel finadry that was that to me it was a beautiful route yeah it was a funny like i wasn't excited for it and i wasn't like i said i genuinely wasn't nervous but i think in hindsight it, it, that benefited me um, and I did hit a point, so the race was, was it the Sunday morning? And I think on the Saturday evening, it was sunny, and I just went a wee wander around to get, I've got a Domino's pizza of all things I could have got in France. <laughs> um, Culture. And it hit me. Yeah, totally. And it hit me, and I was like, I'm in fucking Paris, and I'm going to do a fucking marathon. I definitely, e- that hit me e- there. Eating a Domino's pizza? Yeah. Like <laughs> a loser? <laughs> By myself in the wee hotel room, and so it hit me then, and I felt excited. Yeah, the morning of it, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous. I just felt quite excited for it, and yeah, because I'd kind of chucked the goals in my head, and I was just like, just whatever, just do it. At that point, I actually didn't even know if I could finish it, but I wasn't even bothered about that. Um, and I ended up having the best day. Like, loved it so much. Took my time. I don't know if you were on my Insta at the time, but like, I was videoing it. I was singing. It sounds like you had properly chucked your goals though. Like in my head, oh, sometimes yeah. I do that as self-preservation. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not bothered on the day. Yeah, inside I'm like, I'm bothered today. You know, I still do that. Maybe, maybe deeply subconsciously, but genuinely hand on heart, I just wasn't, just didn't even feel really. I was just like, whatever. Which, and I'm glad I was because I ended up, it took all the pressure off me and I just had so much fun. Up until I think it was like 20, mile 23, then my quad started hurting a bit and I did have to think like, right, you've got three miles to go. Don't don't stop now. That yeah. did start getting sore physically. But up until that point, like so much fun and that that completely rekindled my love for running. And that's again, I'm like, I am fucking made for this. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ebbs and the flows of I can't. Yeah. To, to, I'm born for it. <laughs> yeah, total roller coaster. Um, and loved it that much that then did that stupid thing, blaming Emily for that, where two weeks after Paris, it was a Manchester marathon and five days before the marathon, some girl on Instagram that I don't know was giving up her space for nothing. I was like, of course I'll take it. Marathons are easy. Marathons are fun. Chew them up, <laughs> um, spit them out. Yeah, have marathons for breakfast, me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I have family that live down in Manchester, so 
I was able to stay with them. And so, yeah, went and did that um, and ran the first half with Emily and Kaylee, which was amazing, just so much fun. And then we all kind of went like that quiet way and was like, well, we'll just see see you at the end, yeah. <laughs> we all hit a bit of that. This is getting hard. Aye, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you're doing it off no rest. Nobody, nobody experienced would tell you that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, and I, I knew it was a bad idea. No. And... And in my, my recovery in between Paris and Manchester, like I'd been drinking cans of condensed milk. Like I hadn't even been fueling myself well. I'd just been eating even more shite than I normally do. So Because you gave up all the other drugs, you thought you'd see what other ways you can kill yourself? No, have you tried drinking a, from a can of condensed milk? Shockingly, no, because like I value having organs and stuff. Aye, so Paris happens, Manchester happens, and it is a bad idea, like, no, it's not a preachy thing. It's a bad idea to run two marathons in two weeks for anybody's body. But do you know what? It also seems when you're starting running, you're going to do a hundred stupid things and you probably had a great day with great people, forged a strong friendship. What you're getting back from that is worth probably some of the stupidity they're running. Yeah, I knew it was a bad idea and the, the plan was just to take it easy. Like, I think I ended up walking on and off from like 18 miles. So I was never going to push it. That was in my head. I justified the, the stupidity with... But I'll take it easy. Mm-hmm. But it's still more tight. But it's time on. <laughs> it's time on feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about after Manchester. What happens next? So at that point, I'm thinking like I thought I was full on roadrunner. Didn't like trails. Any time I even had to go on a bit of trail stuff or even on a bit of grass, I was like, that just feels. I don't like that. That's hard. And I remember someone saying to me, just just wait till you're out in like the hills and stuff. That's when like adventures and stuff. And I thought, Mm-mm, that's not for me. And then I think it was the end of April. So Paris and Manchester were both in April. End of April, Lee took us up. There was a few of us went up and did his infamous dinosaur route, um, which is about a I don't know, 10, 11 mile run up the Pentlands, um, which involves mostly what, well, for me, still involves walking all the uphills and then running the downhills. Um, and somewhere around about that point, I fell in love with the Pentlands. Like, I don't know, just that it was. It was like that that adventure thing and, and just being out and just that free feeling and feeling like a kid and like, I probably have and I'm buying myself like aeroplane and down the, the yeah. downhills and um yeah just I loved it I mean you um, ha- I've done the Pentlands once you have to walk the hills that's jaggy there's not much actual flat running yeah. on that route that's just up yeah. down constantly I, I did not like it at all as a route yeah. but I could see from your post and again I remember it at the time but I was looking back in them just tonight big cheeser oh look at this <laughs> so, something changed there eh Oh, big time. And then, I don't know, we did that again, just, I can't remember, I must have went up myself a few times and just wee routes. And I remember, so Lee had spoke about the Pentland skyline and, yeah, how, like, that's mega. That's, like, a, a mega route to do on the Pentlands. And I remember being up on one of our shorter runs one time and saying, so what's the skyline? And he pointed and I was like, what? And, and that hill? And that hill? And all the way around there? I was like, no way. Like, that's yeah. mega. And I was thinking, I'm like a year away from even... It's like seven, 17 summits or something like that. and Yeah, like 16, 17 miles, 6,000 foot of elevation. And I just thought, well, that's like a year away from me. There's no way I would even attempt that. And I don't, I don't know what happened. Something in my head. It was the 14th of June, I think. I did the Pentland... I, I attempted the Pentland Skyline, so I had no idea if I would even be able to do it. I had a, there was a point in it about like, I don't know, 10 miles that I knew there was a road like comes through the middle of the Pentlands and I thought I could get an Uber, like I could <laughs> go an Uber and get them to come. So that was like my emergency. I thought I am kind of safe. To, Would have been a just eat for you? <laughs> just to tap out there if I need to. But yeah, I did it. And again, it was one of those feelings. They're, they're my favourite ones where I've just thought there's no way I could ever do that. Like the marathon, like each time it escalates. But 
to to look at that like within a few weeks to say there's no way I could do that to then do it, it was like that feeling afterwards was like I, I just did that like that's the best feeling I absolutely love that feeling for me that's the penny drop moment this is what I made for yeah and, and, and I do want to talk about Young Hearts legitimately because you listen to it and I know I know what that show's like I've listened um, I, I don't listen every single week but I do listen if I know who the person is so yeah. I've listened to Debbie Martin Cassani, I've listened to Martin Gray, I've just listened to the episodes of people I, I know. When did that come in? Because I know what that does, that makes you just go, oh, I wish I could do that. They are what, I'm blaming them for this whole journey, yeah. really. So that was last last summer, it was when Debbie Martin Cassani was doing Badwater. I'd been following her for a wee while and reading about that then, and I'm like, what the fuck, like, that's Wild. mental. That's like off the scale. Yeah. Bampot. <laughs> and she put up something in a really good way obviously then she put up that oh I've done this interview on this podcast and so I listened to that purely to listen to her and then just really liked them too and just them talking them and their guests talking about like ultras and the community and the I was just like that sounds amazing and from then I've been like upset like fascinated by ultras even mm. though I'd never done one I was then watching documentaries I was listening to oh, just that podcast reading books like and I'm like oh, this is fascinating yeah. this is so so cool and praying, I'm like, please, please let me like it when I finally get to do it, because like I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. So yeah, they two are definitely getting the blame for, yeah. for where I'm at. No, that's cool to hear. That's that's why I suppose they do it. Um, that's why I do it because somebody might hear something and say that's what I want to be. Yeah. I hope I like it when I do it. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. So you finished the the skyline a couple of times. You've done that yourself. Trail running starts to move to the forefront, but you're still doing road races. Or there's still some stuff in the go. I'd already signed up to the Blast Half Marathon. Basically running in, a, in an oven. Which was disgusting in itself. But even putting that heat aside, even by that point, so that was the end of June, this isn't fun. Like, this was, t- even, it was like, even on a good day, like a t- two, roughly two or whatever half marathon, I was like, that seems like a long draining time to be on your feet. Whereas I spent seven hours in the Pentlands and was like, that's amazing. that didn't feel like anything. It was fun. It was an adventure. It's, it mixes it up. You're going uphill, you're downhill, you're stopping, you're eating. You're yeah. jumping over rocks. That's fun. Permission was... permission to slow down without feeling like you're letting yourself down. Yeah, just it, my whole mindset's changed. And like I said, like last, when I first started running, I was very focused on PBs, times. I thought that's where I was heading. And since Paris, like I've chucked that and I'm just like, it's about the fun and the community. And I'm, I think it'll come back at some point. I've got that competitive side in me and I do enjoy that. But at the moment, I'm, this is what feels, I'm just like, oh, there's something to this as well. Just mm-hmm just enjoying it like that's where the fun is and the community I consciously want to try and not let it become too much of a thing like I really want to try and always make like the fun bit come first and yeah if you can then push yourself and be a bit competitive after that because it can be quite you know I remember even the races that went well I'm like I'm looking at my watch the whole time I'm all I'm thinking about is time it can kind of spoil the race for you and then you know, after it, it's like, I didn't even take in that experience. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't engage with people. I'm just focused on time. So there's, yeah, there's a place for it. But this year, like, to, to drop that focus has been, yeah, a game changer for me. And, yeah, there's something in it. So, yeah, even if when I do go back to being a bit more competitive or doing things for time, I still want to enjoy that experience. And I don't want, it to, for, don't want it to define your races. Yeah, and take over because that can be quite... Um, yeah, that that's a nice wee segue into Loch Ness because I want to use this episode, steal some of your thunder and speak about both of our experiences because they were completely different by design mm-hmm. with what we were going there for. 
I signed up for that because Susan Swarbrick, who is on Insta, has through the podcast probably uh, her running journey has mirrored the length of this podcast since it started. Mm -hmm. She started her running at the same time. She didn't want to sign up for Loch Ness. She was scared of non-owned people particularly, but also scared of I won't be able to do the distance. I didn't really know the format at that time. I actually thought at that time somebody always had to be out in the course. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if you kind of run your lap, I'll pick a lap up for you. Mm. I joined your uh, Who Dropped the Dibber team. Steve put that together with Lee. 20 odd of us added to a group chat, added to a whole different app actually, which hopefully gets burned, set in fire and never published <laughs> anywhere for the sake of everybody's careers. And Susan joins up, but I had no expectations going in there at all. So I, I'm going there saying there's spreadsheets and all sorts. I've never seen anything as organised in my bloody life. It was like a fucking military <laughs> operation. How many loops do you want to run? What's your fast, fast 5k time? What's your, as if I, having run that course as if your fast 5k time <laughs> makes a difference. Uh, but fast 5k time is irrelevant. But I was going there thinking I, I'll either run, I could run two laps or I could run 10 laps. I don't have a clue and I don't care because mm -hmm. my race was Paisley. I knew this was trail. I'd hurt my ankle in the Pentlands, pulled out of the devil, kind of falling out of myself all over the trail stuff. I'm like, I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it, but I'll get through it. And you met me. Well, I exactly. <laughs> that made it worse as well. So there was loads <laughs> of things to not look forward to. <laughs> I, I, I met you, I met you at the pod, this podcast meetup at Strathclyde Park. You came and volunteered and I met you just, I feel like I've met you loads of times, but we were just saying before we started recording, we've only actually met you twice. And you've called what me. What was the first thing I said to you? No, I, I, you've called me two names that I'm not sure I can say in the podcast. You were going as part of a team. You looked like you weren't bothering your ass about what you're in. And then before I know it, you're solo. So this is where I want to get from you. How, why, when? Uh, that was that was literally this month, I think I decided. And it was because, so I was thinking about this before we chatted. There was little seeds subconsciously being planted, I think, when you, like you did multiple runs in a day. I did five, seven Ks in a day. There was somebody else maybe did that. Kaylee had quite like a while before that. She did the Goggins. Four by four by four, eight. Yep. And so even when she did that, I remember thinking, oh, I'd quite like to do that one day. So there was probably wee seeds being planted all, all along. But the big one for me was when Kaylee did the Highlander. That was at the very end, I think last weekend in July. The Backyard Ultra. And that, yep. And so that was the Saturday and she absolutely smashed it. It was amazing. Yeah, that just totally inspired me. And so, yeah, the accumulation of seeing other people doing these things and then that, I was like, the next day I thought, I'm going to try and do that tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to just go out and do like a, a number of runs tomorrow. And so I, I didn't even really, my, my goal was 30 miles because I wanted to do like the ultra distance. At that point, I had been thinking the whole time in the run up to Loch Ness was I would like to try and do the ultra distance. I would try and like to get the seven loop. So yeah, but then... This wee thing that I just did by myself at the end of July, I thought I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and do 30 miles over a series of runs. And I didn't tell too many people what distance I was hoping for because other than the skyline, I hadn't done any long runs really since the marathon. I wasn't even sure I could still run marathon distance. So in my head, I was like, you know, if I hit 20 miles, that's all right. And but trying in for the 30. And I didn't do it. And I, there was some runs I only left like 10, 15 minutes in between. There was a period where I, there was a four-hour break I had in the middle of the day because I went to visit my gran and had lunch and whatever. Um, but I actually, like, I found it easy. Like, that's, that's going to sound like a total dickhead comment there. But I was so surprised. That's exactly how I felt doing that. Yeah, it's the surprise. You're like, wow. Because you're so used to being on your limit, pushing 
without being able to stop. And I thought that would be harder. I thought that after the four hour break, I thought, uh oh, this one after that's going to be. At that point, I'd ran a half marathon distance. And I thought, I've stopped for four hours. I'm going to have seized up. I'm going to have lost the mental kind of motivation. Um, but no, I loved it. And it, it got easier. My legs probably felt fresher as it went on. And probably I was excited that it was feeling good. So that spurred me on as well. Um, and so when I did, I did the 30 miles and turned up at my mom's like endorphins flying. I was like, wow, that was amazing. I was like, I could do another 10 miles. <laughs> Didn't know because I would have just been stupid. And then at that point, I thought, well, my goal at Loch Ness was to see if I could do 30 miles. I've just done that. So so where's the challenge? Here? Except yeah. I suppose the, the terrain, but aye, it's not like yeah, that was you, you know it's doable. Yeah, and quite felt way easier than I'd expected so I mm -hmm. thought well and, and that was over just like a day so I thought over 24 hours like what what could I do the way the teams were set up at that point didn't really allow for much more than the seven seven loops so I thought I'll just go I'll be my, my new nickname is now ultra dick since I abandoned the team and went solo so yeah that's that's why I decided to go solo that 24 hour really that is the format if you want to experience something like that it was so much better than I thought it would be yeah it's class yeah. When I first heard about these events, like looped events, I thought psychopaths, like how could you keep going out and doing the same loop? But like, I think having that safety, it's only 7K or four miles. Yeah. Um, and I think they do like similar format events where it's only six hours or 12 hours. So Aye. it'd be an yeah. amazing thing for someone to get into. And mm -hmm. yeah, you've only got like a few miles to get back to camp and you can tap out whenever there isn't yep. really a distance you need to cover. So I love that, the security. Like, the distance I covered, I would never, ever have signed up for a point-to-point -point ultra at this point in time for that. No way. So there's, there's people there running three loops, and three loops, and that was a good race for them based on their training. And But they get, then get to spend the rest of the time in a part of a group, part of a team, supporting other runners. By the time I got there, so the teams had changed. You're running solo, and, like, we're full-on mad see you next Tuesday mode. See how far <laughs> they can go. Emily, who I thought I would do a bit of running with, was on solo mode, wanted a distance and was doing her thing. So I was kind of just floating a wee bit like a fart in the wind going, I don't really know. I just I knew I was running double loops because it was so wet, yeah. like 30 hours of relentless rain. From we put up our tents until probably, I don't know, when I saw you earlier in the morning, might have been the first time it stopped raining. <laughs> I think, honestly, yeah. it might have been the, the first time yeah, it stopped raining. It was about 30 hours. But you still had all that camaraderie and the chance to support runners. Go and do that if you think about it. If you've got any doubts, go as part of a team and do what you can do. Yeah, it's amazing. I totally agree. I, I ran ultra distance. I thought after the devil disappointment of pulling out, I didn't think you'd get me near a trail. I loved it. I loved the course. It wasn't all rocky and like Pentlands is a lot more technical than that in terms of the descending. It just was mm. mucky. And, but there was some. Has really... that made you think you would try? Yeah, it really has. Uh -huh. But be a bit more selective about what the ultra is and what underfoot looks like. I could do that. It's made me wonder what I could go out and do there if I'd have been solo as well. So yeah, pl yeah. planted that wee seed for me. But your day was different. You just when had you made the decision that you were going full on mentalist? Honestly, probably like the week or because I don't know. It was the start of August that I decided to go solo with the goal of, right, okay, let's see if I can do more than 30 miles. And then I'm like, well, 50 is quite a nice a nice number. And then I'm not going to lie, things got, like, way out of hand in my head. I started thinking, like, 70, 80. Fuck it, let's just go aim for 100, see how close I get. But <laughs> that, was, that was a getting... chat. That was a chat for you at the start. Like, <laughs> like, right, okay. You've got to aim 
what I worried about is I thought, well, what if there, there could be a percentage, things all go super, super well, and I do hit, like, say I'd said, right, I want to do 60 or 70 miles, and I hit that, then I probably would have mentally chucked it. So I thought, just let's let's say this really high, crazy Shit figure. for the moon. Just, yeah, just to keep me going, uh, just yeah. to make sure I just go to my absolute max. Um, yeah, and there is a fine line between self-belief and delusion, and I was certainly... No delusion. I think I was. I think I was more worried by the time I saw you about stubbornness and the potential for longer term damage. Because you were you were in a world of hurt by the point I found you again. Oh, that pinky blister was away. I was definitely continuing. Your head and your body were telling you two different things at that point. Yeah. Uh, but let's go rewind a wee bit. Tell me about your first few look and you had some good support. I know you had the whole team like grabbing stuff. You weren't crude per se um, because you weren't organised for being crude. I didn't know what it involved. I was actually having to ask people, like Des, he's helped me loads, so I have to give him a wee shout-out, like, in the run-up to this, and, and John Casty as well from Young Hearts Run Fee. Like, having to ask people like that, what what do you even ask for support? Like, I yeah. don't know what that involves. And, yeah, so actually, rewinding even more a wee bit, the Friday night when we turned up and it was pissing with rain, my mindset changed from a mad see you next Tuesday to I'm not made for this. Like, I'm cold, I'm wet, I don't even want to run one mile... There's actually a video I took in my tent on the Friday night and you can hear the rain battering down in my face and I'm just sitting like face tripping me like and to go out like just to you know when you're like that cold soggy way and just like get your kit on and go and I was like oh this is horrible this isn't what I signed up for um but then that morning walking down to the start line was like oh I know it was grimy Um, it was like cloudy Everybody's got hoods up, hiding under umbrellas. Nobody, there was no that buzz of the start of a race. No. <laughs> no, it was like, right, go, okay. <laughs> and I don't know if you, because this is important for what happened to my arse later on in the race. About an hour before the race started, I started filling up my active route. That's why I, I used to fuel. That was my plan, was to alternate between the Luchos energy two things and uh, the active root gels which I've used all year That's and I've never had any issues with it so I was confident with that, it was a new tub, it was unopened, it was in date I didn't think to test it or like sample it so I'm filling up these flasks and it was it just wasn't right Like Just didn't taste the way you were used to it, tasting? It normally thickens up like you struggle to get, I get three scoops in one of the wee 150ml flasks and I got three scoops in and it was watery as I put another scoop in, it was still watery. So I did, I started panicking at that point in my heart. I was like, I'm feeling a wee bit nervous now, like this yeah. isn't meant to happen. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, like, you know what, it's probably the same carbs in it. It's probably fine. Like I, I shook the tub, I was like, maybe it just needs mixed a bit. None of that was helping. So I thought, right, you just need to deal with what you've got. Um, and, and I assumed that it would just be the same stuff. It just, the consistency was a bit off. So yeah, then get to the start line and the rain oh half a half a mile in i was like i love the rain i love running in the rain like oh you were airplane you were airplane and back at the end of your first lap like, hey look at me <laughs> take my picture <laughs> so i'm going to remember that for future races because i really really was not feeling it with the rain but actually during it i loved that that was brilliant yeah. the rain was not a hassle when you were running the rain was a hassle yeah. when you were not running that was my experience too yeah, that must have been hard for you guys stopping and getting cold and just because you couldn't be, you had to be in a tent or yeah. or running. Like there was no, you couldn't social. We, I just felt we didn't get the full potential of probably building those relationships and getting to know each other yeah. and like the the banter because people are hiding in tents because it was absolutely miserable. That thing Hannah brought was a game changer. That was it amazing. Was. I was like, just so was, lucky that she brought like without a that, common like... gazebo. 
none of us would even know each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you didn't know him, did you for you were out running? <laughs> I know. But no, everybody was like amazing. Um I'm probably jumping ahead there, but like I can't believe how much everybody was up for supporting me and you know, mm. they're all there doing their things with their own goals and still were like absolutely amazing helping me and um Mike's partner Heather, she was amazing as well. And like some of my requests were quite disgusting due to what was happening to me inside as well. So yeah, just a wee shout out for everyone there. To I mean, we love there. we love a jobby story on the podcast. Every, every runner loves a jobby story. You've got enough to fill a book after that. God, I don't think I'll jobby for another week. I'm empty. No. <laughs> we were running. So that- we were running by. I'm jump. I'm jumping ahead to our night loop. We were running by one of the marshals who'd been sitting out miserable, and they asked us how we were. And I gave him the the standard like non-committal lines like oh living the dream or something equally mundane and you went I shit my pants <laughs> and he just looked like what do you say back I like don't what did that one either <laughs> what, did I, what did I say back to him that you actually told the guy and he went oh well as long as it was only once and you went no no it was twice <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was more than twice I, I think um... you were sparing him. <laughs> So, but I was actually laughing after that, and in my head, I'm thinking, "Welcome to ultra running." But you kept going, and I mean, so that first few hours for you, you were keeping quite a steady pace. And I was, I think, I had eight <laughs> amodium in the first twelve hours. But you, even through the stomach issues, you, you actually, you didn't come in for any length of time. I mean, you, you popped back into the tent, the big tent, like once or twice to, like, change socks or pick up a particularly bigger drop of nutrition. When did everything settle down for you, stomach wise? So I think, and I really wouldn't recommend any of what, what I did, like the eight modium probably was too much. But I was I was asking randoms, I don't know if they've got any medical qualifications, but there was some randoms that were saying, yeah, you're, you're cool to have more. So I had like eight modium, and then I remember, so I'd bought sulpidine, which is like, it's got codeine in it. And I'd planned not to use that in the race because I wasn't like, I'd never, I hadn't tested that before. And I thought codeine's like... That could make me drowsy. Mm. So I wasn't actually planning on touching that unless there was like some serious pain. But when the, the bowels wasn't easing up, I thought, fuck it, codeine's like a constipation, doesn't it? So I was like, I'm just going to pop a couple of them as well. So I think that was at like three o'clock and it eased things a wee bit. But what I also noticed is at that point, things weren't, it wasn't pain, it wasn't pain at all. But obviously things start, you start feeling it, you know, my ankles, my hips, things were starting to, nothing that was notable at all but what I noticed when I took the sulfidine is all of that went away I was fresh as so I was like ooh, <laughs> I like that and I'm not pleased to not that's probably not safe to take no. these things in AC so I'm not ready thankfully thankfully you had a former illegal borderline illegal life to fall back on yeah I think I've been training for this film I was years. an ultra runner <laughs> long before I even bought a pair of trainers <laughs> lots of sleepless nights lots of pills in my tummy so then things I think things must have started coming down about six six o'clock I'm gonna guess bum wise that last loop when I met you by the time I met you again I was just ready to start running a loop a solo loop at about I think maybe the times are all off for me but maybe midnight ish mm-hmm. back in midnight and Kaylee comes up to finish to hand me the dibber she's in my team you hand over you dib in you dib out to show the lap you've run and she said to me Rachel is just behind me here I've just done I don't know if it, I don't think it was a whole lap. I think she met you on the lap. I know. I think we did. We started together. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a brilliant. Lap and she too. said she's actually moving okay. She's in a decent state of mind, but there's like she's she's hurting. She said she'd appreciate the company if you're up for it. So I'm like, that's fine. I had been I'd planned to go and bomb one at night to get my night lap in and go to bed. Then I meet you and you <laughs> two and a half hours. You later. crashed. You did crash <laughs> on that lap. 
Um, I don't think it was two and a half hours, was it? Two hours fifteen. Was that's it? What the, it was the long, longest. I knew there. it was a long lap. I couldn't have told you it was that long, but I knew Samantha was waiting for me getting back. I'm like, you better text them, tell them, tell them I'm <laughs> all right. That was the lap where I think it all caught up for you. So talk me through it. It was my feet. That was a, that mentally. I actually felt I was surprised. My mind was what I was worried about going into it because it was all new territory for me. And I, everyone says ultras is when you know the mind's what what gets you to the end and. I've definitely got a bit of a fuck it mentality or I felt like I had. So I thought I'll probably chuck it as soon as my mind starts going. But I, I loved it and I feel like my mind was pretty strong throughout. And although my legs and that felt stiff and tight, it certainly wasn't a, a race stopper. It was my feet at that that look with you. My feet just started to agony. And it, it had only started then. It wasn't like I'd kind of um, ignored yeah. pain. It just started, you could, the, like, the pace I was going was so, yeah. so slow. Like, my feet were just so sore. I was saying to you, wasn't um, it? Like, it looked like you'd I, clawed feet at that point. It looked like just like your yeah. feet were seasoned. Oh, they were really sore. And I think I'd taken, I'd been spacing the sulpidine out, but I had been taking that every four hours, and even that wasn't easing the pain. I think I had, like, four or five visible blisters. And so they popped, Kaylee popped them, and Gary brought out this magic tape, and they taped me up. And I was like, there's one under my pinky. That was the one that had been causing me bother. And I was like, there's definitely one under there. And they kind of looked and there was a bit of like, oh, there's maybe something. But so in hindsight, that's one of my biggest regrets was I didn't look. I was just like spaced out. I'm like flying by, like, cool, check my feet. Look, like, look at I my career. Look. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fix me, boys. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't check my pinky toe. So they taped me up and I headed back out. And as I started walking, I'm like, this is still really, really sore. And so my plan was then just to walk because we were probably what a five minute walk at the pace I was going back to the wee dibber yeah. bit so that I could clock that loop. And my plan was just to that's me done. I was like, my feet are completely agony. And then I did my wee dibber and then somehow I just found myself walking up that hill in the pitch black myself and I was away on another yeah. loop and I was like, maybe this, maybe I can do more. And I think at that point too, I was on like 58 miles or something and I thought, that's a shan number to finish on. Like, you've got to at least round that up. <laughs> the sixth day and so yeah that loop was like and it, and actually the pain where my blisters had been where they'd popped them and taped them up that i got used to that that was totally yeah. bearable it was still there but i could have totally kept going on that it was the one under my pinky and i was then like trying to lean on you know compensate lean on the other side of my foot and i was like hobbling i actually ran some of that loop i was running the downhills and i thought i'm, I'm back i've got this and then that pinky toe i was like no that's just not okay and then yeah was that the last loop that. that was your last loop <clears throat> that was the last loop i did yeah okay so we, we've got to the point then when when you've run your race what was your total distance so i always work in miles and i actually borderline look down on people who use kilometers but i'm now going to use kilometers because 100k sounds better oh, than fucking 100k <laughs> three figures what is that in miles <laughs> what is that in miles for the amateur amongst us Six, 62.14. Six. Oh my God. She's measured it to the 0. 0.14. 0. Well, 0.14 makes I, a difference. Because I actually, I'm so glad I bumped into Lee. So when I decided that's it, like I can hardly walk. Again, I walked, took me about 15 minutes to walk to go and dip out. And I seen Lee about to start a loop. And he was like, what are you on? And I was like, I'm done. I says, I'm on 61 point something. He was like, so you've done 100K? I was like, oh, and so I'm on Google at like four in the morning, Googling what's a hundred K in miles. Yeah. And it was like, I was like half a mile short or whatever. And so I'm literally, I've walked like very slowly up and down the campsite until my watch hits. <laughs> I say 2.14. Yeah. 
the sign of a psychopath, but I completely understand it. I actually would have judged you. Okay. I would have judged you if you would have left it on. Imagine you'd been 99 point something. And I would have had no idea because my Strava's and Myers. So imagine all these people thinking, oh, 99 point. Oh, exactly. Oh. I meant the messages would have been... The messages would have been absolutely not worth I would it for have you. So a hundred kilometers, Rachel. The the scale of that, you can. You're quite good at deflecting anything serious. A serious compliment or anything <laughs> else with humour. So I won't go too far down that track because I know that you're uncomfortable with people being nice to you. But no, no, big me up, hundred. Big you up, a hundred k is. So far beyond probably where you ever thought you were capable of. Oh, like it's insane. Just before I move off Loch Ness 24, I'm so impressed with what you did. Genuinely, this is the, the moment of sincerity. You knocked my socks off with your humour over the weekend and your mentality, your resilience. And I think it might be the start of something. So congratulations on the effort. This feels very uncomfortable. You've been nice, Ryan. But thank you. <laughs> I knew it would. <laughs> It needs to be recognised. I don't know if you take the time. You will see you big yourself up. I don't know if you take the time to actually take in what you did there. I, I'm secretly, I'm letting out a big secret of mine. I'm actually secretly quite cocky in my head. I think I need brought down a peg. I think in my head, I'm like, semi-pro, incoming. I need to like bring myself back down to earth. <laughs> Bullshit. Deflection. <laughs> it is the start of something. As you said, you found something you feel you were born to do. I don't think it's going to go away quickly. No, that definitely feels like the beginning. Glen Ogle, 33, is that what it's called, that race? Yep. Glen Ogle, 33 coming up, um, which Are is 50, 50k race. Don't think so. Mm. Um, not, that, not that's, that's a 50k race to people that can actually do maths. <laughs> Freaks. But there's a massive change coming for you. You're, you're going to kick it on a level. Talk to me about it. Is that confirmed? <laughs> can we talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, double check that was okay. So yeah, just... Or was that just last night? I've been interested in a coach for a while, but just yeah, haven't haven't been able to to set that up. But I'm going to be working with Karen Nickel, amazing ultra runner. Ultra Kazi um, on Instagram. Ultra Kazi, yeah. And a, a yeah. lot of people will. The uh, Ultra Kazi. Loads of people know Karen, and I didn't know who she was. I met her at the Lululemon Run Retreat in March, and like Nicky, you know Nick Nick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nicky Sheridan said to me after, did you get to meet Karen Nicholl? And I'm like, I don't know who that is, but I did, because I know who you mean. But uh, honestly, it was as if I'd just like, met David Beckham. <laughs> Royally. Uh, she's incredible. She seems an amazing person, like from what I've heard yeah. like, yeah. on podcasts and what I see on her social media. She just seems like such a gem of a human being. So yeah, I'm excited and feel privileged to be able to work with her. You're going to learn from somebody that's clearly an exceptional human being as well as an exceptional runner, and that can only take you from strength to strength. So, yeah, my plans go back to my running club. I joined Portobello Running Club in June, but again, just felt like it, I just my legs weren't managing with the long runs and that, so that's what I kind of chucked. But I'm just going to try and push through this time um, and see, because nothing's happened. It's just my, in my head, I'm like, that feels like that's going to turn into like a, a, an injury or a niggle, so I pull back yeah. a bit, but... Maybe it's just my body adjusting and maybe that's no, just... No, I'm, yeah, buzzing, I'm, buzzing to see, I'm buzzing to see where that goes for you. Glenn Ogle won't be the peak of anything. It's the start of something again and you've got you've got so much ahead. She's going to teach you so much. Beyond Glenn Ogle, thoughts? What's there for you? What's where are you, Where's your head with that? All mapped out. <laughs> no, the current thinking is fling in April. And I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for Lakeland 50. That ballot opens Friday this week. So that's... That would be next July. 
Um, but it's a ballot, so I might I might not get a space. Yeah. But the ballot's open for 48 hours, which is great for someone who's impatient like me. So I'll enter that on Friday and I'll find out um, by the Monday, I think, if I get in or not. So I'll let fate decide if that's what's to happen next year. Um, and so that would be the ideal plan, would be the fling and lakes. Um, but if that doesn't work out, then I'm going to do the devil because it's similar. It's only like a few weeks later. <sighs> My heart is in long distance for yeah. stuff just now. It would seem a massive missed opportunity to have Karen as a coach and not really lean <laughs> to park on PB. Do, do part, exactly. <laughs> Quite fancy being like fourth female that day. Um, but, but to not lean into what her skill set is as well and learn from it. Yeah. Um, and then long, long. So this would be, um, let's see if this works out. This would be amazing, but it's a long shot. So in 2025, I'll be 30 and I would love to try and do the West Highland Way that year. So that would give me like next year would give me building up that distance and also two qualifying races. But again, then the West Highland Way is a ballot. And so for all that to work out and stay yeah. injury free and it would be quite a miracle, but that's the kind of we No, it's now. it's good to have big scary goals like that. It might not yeah. work out. It might not work out in that time and it will work out eventually over time. Okay, we're gonna finish up with the quick fire round and then I'm gonna get leading nicely in your song choice. So if you're ready, we'll we'll start with the quick fire questions. You good to go? I think so. On your marks, get set. Favourite running shoe of all time? Was the Alpha Flies when I was a roadrunner. Now it's got to be my Hawker Speedcoats. <laughs> Favourite training route? Pentland Skyline. Proudest running moment? Loch Ness 24 now. Do you want to ask this one? Favourite podcast? Young Hearts Run Oh, sorry, you broke up there. Couldn't hear you. Worst race or running experience? <laughs> the Scottish half where I'd had COVID. Go to pre-long run meal. Long run. Normally in the morning, I just have toast and jam. If you could run alongside yourself as a beginner runner, what advice would you give to yourself? Ooh. That should be easy. It wasn't that long ago. I know, but so much has changed. Uh, keep going. It's going to get a lot easier and so much funner. Is that a word? So no, but fun. we're going to keep it in. One, one inspirational Insta profile you never skip by. Yeah, let's go, Kelly. That's a happy diet. Run with or yes. without music. With music, need it. Favourite park run? Uh, Portobello, because it's basically one of the few I've been to. Final question on the quickfire round. I press play and run because... I just love it. Final order of business is to add a song to the press play and run playlist on Spotify. So every week a guest picks the song that they wouldn't take out their running rotation or one that they always come back to when they really need to dig deep. Well, it doesn't quite match that description, but the song I'm going to add is something that my mum, I asked my mum and sister for songs from a Loch Ness play- playlist, and she picked, my mum picked, Billy Paul's Only the Strong Survive, and it's a fucking belter of a song anyway, but the words are like, for me, were just perfect for Loch Ness. Like, I kept going in and just cueing it, and I'm going on, and it was just the words were just hitting so good. So that yeah. that song is probably, there was a couple of songs that were were doing it for me at Loch Ness, but that is the one that, that sums it up for me, I think, so I'll add that. That's the one you'll always associate with that event. And the fact my mum picked it too. I just, I love that. Rachel was in absolute meltdown at the end of Loch Ness 24 when she'd opened cards from her family that they'd written in advance. It was really cool to see. Oh, don't. Um, no, it, it's important. I couldn't even Pe- open. People go out their way to 
the the words you let me read the cards of kindy and i saw them because i wondered why you were blubbering like a like a wayne people had taken the time to send you those <laughs> messages and you can see your relationships and your dynamic and what people mean and keeping your family close and you and i had good chat when we were out as well family's important you hold it tight that was cool to see really cool moment as well rachel the best of luck and whatever they're in yeah. i hope never to speak to you again probably i could aspire to do better with my friends I do wish you absolute all the best with Glen Ogle, but I'm much more excited about what's to come. You're going to go for strength to strength. I'll be at your back. I'll be a supporter. You're an absolute top, top person. Doesn't come more genuine. Thank you for all the humour at the weekend. Thank you for making Loch Ness 24 much, much more than I thought it could be for myself and probably planting a wee seed as well about what could you do? Who knows where that leads? So you just said probably the nicest thing you've ever said to me. I've ever said to any human being before. And and I just hung up. <laughs> and you just abandoned me. So apologies, connection issues, um, not ideal. So yeah, kind of lost the moment a wee bit, but just thank you so, so much for what you said. And um, thank you for asking me on. You know I was shitting it for this, like borderline saying no and sending you very worried voice notes beforehand. But I've actually really enjoyed chatting. And yeah, thanks for making me feel at ease. Thank you to you, the listeners, for joining us for another episode of the Press Play and Run podcast. You can really help to support the podcast by subscribing or following on your podcast platform of choice and by leaving a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Press Play and Run podcast and to add the Press Play and Run playlist on Spotify. We'll be back every two weeks with new episodes and please be sure to keep an eye on our Instagram page to find out which guests will be joining us. Until then, keep getting the trainers on. Press play and run.